1: Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. In. Give a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Give a life bigger than
2: yourself. Give it. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today, we will hear a classic message that we believe will be a blessing to you. Our goal is to teach God's word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others. Let's get started.
1: We are uh, rounding out our our five week series. Last week, we stopped at Ephesians 2 and verse 5. Ephesians 2 and 5, let's pick up right there. Even when we were dead, last week, we looked at the book of Genesis, we looked in the Old Testament, we discovered that in the bible death does not mean non-existence what it means typically is separation and we established that last week but let's look at what the new testament says about the same subject and we're going to go to second corinthians chapter five and verse eight apostle paul here is talking about death and he says this we are what confident so we need to allow god to assure us in this area particularly things that relate to death before we, we we visited ourselves or before it happens to, to folks we love around us, God wants us to have a confidence even before the event occurs. He says, we are confident, and then he makes it more emphatic by this next clause: Yes, even well pleased. Death is simply a transition for a believer. You don't stop existing, you just move to a different place. But you are still very much alive and very much an individual. And uh you, you actually uh we're about to, to see that he actually would prefer to be uh on the other side of the grave than where he was. But he had work to do in the earth, so for that reason he continued his work. And, and you know, I still have uh you know work to do. I need to continue to raise my sons and and I need to pastor this church, but I'm not afraid to die. Um, I look forward, frankly, to, to not having to brush my teeth anymore, comb my hair, or, or lose any more hair. I'm looking forward to that day when there's just unfettered I, I, access. I mean, I'm in the presence of God, man, and and I, 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 I'm with him. I, I'm excited about it. I just don't want to leave here before I'm done, and I don't plan to be done anytime soon, so I, I, I still have some work to do but the apostle paul says says this we are confident yes well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the who lord so when we leave our bodies we continue to exist we just exist in the presence of the lord in heaven my body is simply the house in which i live uh peter calls it actually a tent And, you know, the times of the nomads, people would live in tents. They they pick up a tent, they put it down, but then they pick up a tent and put it down. And, you know, if your tent blew away, as long as you survive, you're okay. My house can burn down. As long as I get out, I'm okay. I'm not my house. But some of us think we are our house. We think this is all we are. But this is, again, just the house we live in. And there's coming a point where unless the Lord comes back first, we're all going to lay this down. And this is going to go back to dust but our spirit will live forever in the presence of the almighty james 2 and verse 26 let's watch how james the half brother of the lord deals with this by the holy spirit he says for as the body without the spirit is what dead according to scripture when the spirit leaves the body we what die but how many of you have had a body or know a, a family member who had a body in a morgue for quite a while? See, what's interesting in this passage is a body can remain in a morgue. Uh, actually, uh, th- th- there are, are mummies that have survived, they say, thousands of years. Their bodies are largely intact. Uh, you know, in, in South America, they didn't take out all the, the inside organs. In, in, in Egypt, I, I think they left the brain but took everything. But I'm getting way off. The point is, the mummies <laughs> survived and what i'm saying to you is at death the body may still exist it's in the morgue or we have the funeral weeks later and the spirit still exists so death could not be the non-existence of the two but what death is is the separation of the spirit from the body james says for as the body without the spirit is what dead so take the spirit out the animating presence of the body in the body we die so when adam sinned in the garden he did not physically drop dead but god's spirit that was inside his spirit backed up pulled out and at that point he was separated from god the bible said in the day you eat of the fruit you shall what surely die absolutely surely die but again he did not drop dead but what happened he was separated from the life of God because of his choice there Ephesians 2 and 5 it says even when we were past tense dead if you unplug a vacuum cleaner uh, from his power source what happens it stops working so when our foreparents unplugged from their spirit to spirit connection from God they lost their power to live clean lives. So they didn't stop existing, but they became unplugged. And the first emotion that emerges in scripture to explain the state of unpluggedness, if you will, was the Bible says that Adam was hiding in, somewhere in the garden and, and he heard God's footsteps and Adam spoke to God. He said, you know, God, God said, why are you hiding Adam? Not that God didn't know. He wanted Adam to locate himself. He said, I was afraid. So the first emotion that came from being unplugged to God was fear. That's important to understand. That's why God tells us not to fear so many times in Scripture. In fact, he says God has not given you a spirit of fear. That's the devil's job. But of power, love, and a sound mind. So as soon as he was unplugged, he became afraid. And then we know what Cain and Abel, jealousy emerged and murder emerged and and all types of things. But all that happened because they unplugged from the Father. Then it goes on and says, even when we were dead in trespasses. Now, sins and trespasses are, are terms used to describe the things that God hates the most uh, in, our, in our lives or, or in the entire universe. And, and what the, the scripture is saying is, is as bad as our transgressions and sins were, they did not stop God from loving us. And that's, that's an awesome thing. Instead of God pouring out his wrath as we deserved... God gives grace willingly to those who will receive it. He said, even when we were dead, meaning if God would show us such grace when we were dead, imagine what he would do when we come back to life. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, he made us alive, say with me together, together with Christ so in the scripture when we see that god emptied jesus tomb and you know go there today it's an empty tomb there's no body there uh the same thing happens to us when we put our faith in christ the tomb that was the place of death on the inside of us is also empty the place of burial, the place of death the place where we were separated from god is actually filled with uh the love and the living god he made us alive together with christ by grace you have been what saved not because you were good. But because God is so what good? Skip to verse ten, and this is our place of emphasis. And I'm gonna discipline myself not to preach much. And I, you know, I might uh, just hang in there with me. Just hang in there, okay? <laughs> For we are His what workmanship. workmanship. What the scripture is saying is, once we give our lives to Jesus, it's not about joining a church. It's not about now you know being on a better team than you were on before what he's saying is when we give our lives to jesus he immediately refashions us but from the inside out you know in in the world fashion statements are made by what you put on but in the kingdom fashion statements have been made by what god puts in and what god does is he goes on the inside and he totally transforms and refashions us from the inside out verse 10 for we are his who's his, not the devil who's his workmanship, how many you think God's a good worker? God doesn't work in the junkyard. God, God, is not a, God does not produce junk. Now, he might, we might bring him junk, but he does not produce junk. So if we're his workmanship, and we watched him in creation, and now it's speaking actually of his recreation in our lives. In creation, nothing imperfect was created. Adam and Eve were perfect. Eden was perfect. The, the the seas were perfect. The land was perfect. everything was perfect. God has not made an imperfect creature yet. He he just won't do it. Everything he creates is absolutely per- perfect. Now he creates us in perfection, but some of us have made decisions. The devil, in particular, he made a choice. He was fir- the Bible said he was he was beautiful and he was perfect at his creation. But then he said, "I'll ex- I'll exalt my throne above this, the stars of God, etc." But the short of it is, he eventually made a choice. But God made him initially perfect. And a lot of people say, I'm this way because of my environment. Not necessarily true. Because Adam and Eve had a perfect environment, they still made a bad choice. So it's not always your environment. It says here, we are his workmanship. Now watch how it explains. Created in Jesus Christ for bad works. For good works. The work God does in you is is always to produce good stuff. Never to produce bad stuff. So the bad stuff in our life, we have to conclude, must not be the work of God, but the work of whom? The The devil. devil. Let's go to 1 John 3 and 9. I want you to listen to what the Apostle John says. This is a gentleman that laid his his head at Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. This guy knows what he's talking about. He says something remarkable. He says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin. But we all know that we all sin. So what could this verse mean? Well, I'm going tell you, it means exactly what it says. But let's read it again, and you'll see it. Whoever has been born of God does not what? Sin. The part of us that has been born again, according to Scripture, does not sin. Our minds, our bodies may still want to sin, may still be prone to sin, but the part of us that's born again... According to scripture, does not sin. Listen to Jesus in John 3 and verse 6. Here's the master. Here's all authority speaking to us. He said this That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. Flesh begets flesh. You know, uh, my children have taken my wife and my characteristics. So he's saying, he's speaking right now of heredity and how it's transmitted uh, in the natural. But then he, he uses something we understand to explain something we might not readily understand. And what he is saying as f- when flesh gets together, it reproduces more flesh. When the spirit gets involved in our life, it will only reproduce spirit. Let's, let's watch. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the what? Spirit. Spirit. Is that what it says? Is what? Spirit. So where does the new birth happen? In our spirit it doesn't happen in our souls it happens in our what spirit but then when he spoke of what he does in our spirit he used the analogy of birth where genetics and characteristics are passed on so when he says that we are born from him he's telling us that that new birth makes us look something like him that something of the holy spirit has been transmitted into our spirit by virtue of the new birth So according to Scripture, I'm not God, but there's something very much like God on the inside of me. His likeness, his image. Remember the first man was created in his likeness and image? But then God recreates us after the fall to once again live in his likeness and in his what? Image. But where is that image and its likeness? In our spirits. And we're about to find out it's absolutely perfect. He says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must, did it say you should be? Now, you should go to church, but you must be born again. The new birth is not optional. It's the only way to enter God's kingdom. You say, that's kind of strange. Well, we do the same thing in the United States. If someone travels from another country and has a baby here, it's automatically a citizen. And the way we enter citizenship in heaven is through the new birth. So if the Holy Spirit causes you to be born, you immediately become a citizen of another world. A citizen of another kingdom and you are born into that kingdom in fact every Sunday when when we have an altar call what we've done is opened up the immigration of the kingdom of heaven and and you have come as immigrants to the altar saying I want to be born into that kingdom do you understand I want to be changed on the inside he said don't marvel that I said to you you must be born again then he says something really interesting verse 8 he says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but can't tell where it comes from or where it, what, goes. What is he saying? You see the effect of the wind, but you can't see the wind itself. You, you don't see the wind blowing, but you do see the, the trees bending. You see the leaves moving. And he's saying the same thing with the new birth. You cannot see someone be born again. It's not a physical act that you can see with your eyes. But what we do do is see the effect of it. When you're truly born again, it will eventually impact your life. It will change something. It will move something. It will shift something. And there will be evidence that something happened in your life. When I first gave my life to Jesus at 20 years old in college, I didn't wear Jesus t-shirts. I didn't walk around telling everybody that, 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 I, that I had been saved. I wore the same slacks. I, I put on the same shirt, stayed in the same room. But all my buddies knew something's different about that boy. The proof, they none of them saw me get born again. I didn't even see myself get born again. I experienced, but I couldn't see it. But what they could see was change. So the point I'm making here is many of us try to change our lives before we come to God. I hear this all, well, when I get my life together, I'll come back to church. Well, why do you need church then? It's like saying, you know, once I clean up, I'll take a shower. You come to church to get cleaned up And here's the deal If you're waiting for you to get it right You'll never come Because you'll never get it right enough Do you understand? The Bible said our righteousness is like filthy rags to God And y'all know, I think I've said before What that literally means Yes, those little things you put in a pack You tie up little pink packs and you throw away That's the rag it's talking about And all of our righteousness thanks to God So you can never get right enough to come to him. That's why you need to just surrender. Come just as you are. Don't hide. Don't put on. Don't act like you're better than you are. Come just as you are and let him change you. Let him do the impossible in your life. And he continues. Jesus is speaking. So is everyone who is born of the what? Spirit. Again, where does the new birth happen? In your spirit. And again, if there's birth, there's heredity involved. And if the spirit is behind the birth, there's something of his likeness being placed again in, in your spirit. No one sees it happen, though. But everyone's supposed to see the fruit. Let's go to Psalms 87 and verse 5. This was a prophecy that was spoken in the Old Covenant. And it says this, and of Zion, it will be said, and, and last week we talked about coming to, to Mount Zion, the, the place where spirits of just men were made perfect. And he's talking about that same mountain. We're not going to Sinai. We're going to Zion. Moses was at The law came at, at Sinai. But we are we worship at Mount Zion. And talked about the numerous assembly of angels. And we, we, That's another time, but, but let's, let's read. And of Zion, it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. This prophecy is fulfilled every Sunday at this church. Every Sunday, people are born anew. People's names are written down in God's book of life. It said, and the Most High himself shall what? Establish her sometimes people think they're responding to me on a Sunday but in reality they're responding to the God who's really calling them the God that's knocking and tugging on their hearts and scripture goes on to say and the Lord will record when he registers the people there are records far more important than our church records and again is the Lamb's Book of Life is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life have you been registered in Zion do you understand what I'm saying he said the Lord will record when he registers the people this one was what born there. So how do we enter Zion? Birth, new birth. We have to be born again. But what did Nicodemus say? Am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb? He was in the natural. He was stuck. And then Jesus kind of got on his case like, oh, you're supposed to be a teacher. You know, you're supposed to understand these things. man. Come on, Nicodemus, you're, you're one of the Sanhedrin. Man, you're supposed to get this. And he got him. He said, and he had to explain the things. Uh, he explained to him uh, what the new birth was actually in the passage that we're we're reading here. He's not talking about going back into your mother's womb. But he is talking about something new being born on the inside of you and that change comes from heaven and if god is involved in it it's perfect if god's involved in it it's righteous if god's involved in it it's absolutely just first john three and nine let's go back still with me newer people can you follow kind of okay whoever has been born of god watch this does not sin then he explains it for his seed remains in him so he's saying if you can understand seeds you can understand why you don't sin why because an apple seed can only beget an apple tree a peach seed can only produce a peach what tree and if you have a righteous seed on the inside of you it can only produce righteous fruit do you understand The challenge though is you're saying well I've sinned what's the deal let's keep reading whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot is that emphatic or not he cannot sin why because he has been born of God what does that mean because if you're born of God you have something of your father's nature in you God does not sin and if we are born of God According to John, we not only will not, but Scripture says we cannot sin. Hmm. How is this possible? It's because the part of you that sins is not your spirit. Do you understand? The problem is with your soul. The problem is with your body. Ephesians 2 and 10. We'll pick it up and, and, and dig a little deeper in this in a moment. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Why? Because the seed of God is in us. You don't see cars coming out of an airplane factory. Likewise, sin will not come out of a reborn spirit. It's impossible. You just don't go to peach trees and pick apples. It just doesn't he said, then why and how do I still sin? Well, Romans chapter 8 is about to explain this to us. Let, let's take a look. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds. He was talking to saved people. He was talking to born again people. But what he was saying was your mindset matters more than you ever realized. Let's go to Romans 12 and 2. Let's, let's go up a little bit. Pay attention to this truth. The Holy Spirit says to us, do not be squeezed into the mold or conformed to this world, but be transformed how? Your spirit's already been renewed. When you were born again, it's a done deal. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You, you were born again and your spirit was made perfect. But it's your soul that's in process. It's your soul that has to be Renewed. It's your soul that has to be improved. It's your soul that has to learn and understand. It says, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Your spirit was changed. The question, though, has your mind been renewed? And if it hasn't, watch this. Your behavior will be just like everybody else in the world. And that's what happens with many of us. We come to an altar. We give our life to Jesus. But then we stop learning and growing. We, we, don't, we don't learn anything about God. We, we learn to get our shout on. We, we might learn how to tie. We might learn how to give. But that's the extent of it. But the Bible says that if we are renewed in our mind, we can prove, literally demonstrate, what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What he's saying is in order for us to live spiritual lives, our minds have to get on board. Here's the deal when i gave my life to jesus uh you know i i had lived 20 years with my own mind and when i went to that altar my old mind was with me at that altar and at that altar i gave my heart to jesus he went on the inside and changed me but the challenge was when i went back up from that altar i still had that same mind and my mind had not yet been renewed i didn't know much about god i didn't know much about his word and you know i had something of uh, if I if I really could describe it and I, I, I put in polite terms they call it a sexual addiction but you know whether it, she was tall whether she was short whether she was skinny whether she was fat whether she was it didn't matter dark light I love women <laughs> <laughs> wanted to touch them all I'm just tell you the truth and what you might have a struggle with at least some of you but most of y'all have proved this out in your own life after I came to the altar my soul was still doing what my soul does. Nah. It wasn't until months later. I didn't get teaching because I wasn't in that type of setting. But the Lord in his grace spoke to me. And, and, and I remember I was, I was in my bedroom and I wasn't alone. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, if you love that girl, you'll let her alone. See, in my soul and in my mind, I was like, we making love. We, we love each other, you know. It's love. But what's the difference between love and lust? Lust is unprincipled desire. Love is principled desire. If Jesus lusted after the world, he would have never died. It doesn't say God so lusted for the things of the world that he sent his only begotten son. But he looked at us in our mess and made a commitment to us in spite of us. To love us, to stay with us. You hear what I'm
2: saying? This has been a classic edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue this teaching. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org.